Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. We did this series called The Big Ten, and I taught the Ten Commandments, which are God's Big Ten. We had a blast, and this last week of the series, we're tailgating outside, but we're also inside. We're going to do something really cool. Uh, We're going to look at five categories of what we consider the best plays. We're going to take a look at the best offensive play, and then I'm going to teach spiritual truths from that, and the best defensive play, best turnaround play, best coaching play, and the best uh, recall play, where they go up into the booth, and the the, 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 the guys, the referee comes out and says, after further review, we're going to have spiritual truths for every single one of them. I love the game of football. When I was a sophomore in high school, I was playing for John F. Kennedy, foot, uh, John F. Kennedy here in Warren, and uh, they dressed five sophomores. I was one of five sophomores that dressed varsity, and, and I started special teams, but I was second team linebacker, second team offensive guard, and um, I, I remember we had this big game, and we had to win it, and it was tied. And the other teams, with time running out, is coming down the field, and it looks like for sure they're going to score. And after one of the plays, the starting linebacker was hurt, and I heard my name called, Caminetti! And I'm like, oh, no, this is a bad time to go in. And uh, so I run to the coach. He says, you ready to go in? I go, yes, sir, yes, sir. He goes, you're going to turn this game around? I'm like, yeah, right, okay, yes, sir, yes, sir. So, so I, I get out there, and the very first play that I'm out on the field, uh, the quarterback goes back to pass, and and we didn't have any blitzes on, so I didn't go in to try to get him. I went back to my coverage zone, and I'm standing there, and I was blown away by what I saw. The quarterback was following the receiver across the field. He telegraphed what he was going to do, and I had all this time to set, set up for it. And as he threw that ball, I was going towards the receiver that's coming to catch the ball. He's worried about the guy next to him that he's trying to outrun. He doesn't see me coming. And just as the ball gets ready, he's ready to catch it, I just dart in front of him and I catch the ball. And then all I'm thinking about is end zone. And I take my first step for that end zone and somebody blindsided me and they hit me so hard. I went flying to the ground, but guess what? Held on to the ball, Friday night, Mollenkopf, the crowd went wild, pictures are taken, name in the paper. That was my best moment, by the way, ever. <laughs> it didn't get any better after that. And, and uh, my junior year, I hurt my knee, decided not to play my senior year, and I realized my genetics weren't created for college football at that level. And I'll never forget my son Joseph when he was in eighth grade. Um, he was playing basketball for a school, and he looked at me one day. We were all alone, and he just looked at me and said, Dad. I said, what, honey? He's, just, he's really intense. Because why did you marry such a short wife? And uh, I said, Joe, it's not like my genetics would have helped any. It's just, uh, sorry, we, we, we're not equipped for producing basketball players. But uh, I did learn some incredible things playing football. I learned some life lessons, and I believe today, you know how Jesus taught in parables? And he would tell this story, and then he'd bring out a spiritual truth. I love reading the Gospels, and when he gives different stories, he paints pictures in, in our mind. And we're going to use these greatest moments that we look at today as a parable, and then I'm going to bring forth those spiritual truths. So take a look at the best offensive play. Short, good time.
Now, most of us are Ohio State fans, so we weren't all that excited. We saw Michigan do that. <laughs> but I so dislike Notre Dame that I'm like, yeah, go Michigan. And, and, uh, but that was an incredible play. And, you know, experts will tell you, they'll say the best defense is a strong offense. And it's true. And it's the same way in life. We're going to always have life storms hit us. We're going to have the problems of life. We're going to have our enemy attack us within, you know, in our personal lives. And if we learn to play offense, we, we can stay out of those, a lot of those attacks. We'll still have some, but we can avoid a lot of them just by going on the offense. And when I think of Christians going on the offense, the number one thing that comes to my mind is prayer. And you and I praying. When we pray, that is how we go on offense. And some of you are here and you know how to pray and you're like, yes. And others, it's new to you. And maybe you're afraid of prayer. You don't understand prayer. But prayer is something that God gave us that we can do that's really, really powerful. One of the greatest preachers that ever lived, his name was Charles Spurgeon. I want you to listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. He said this, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. And what I'm doing right now is important because, you know, uh, people's lives change when they hear the Bible being taught. It's not me, but it's the Bible. And when you hear it being taught, People literally change. But you know what? None of this happens without people praying before it happens. And most of you know I have this Saturday morning prayer group. We pray at 9 a.m. If you ever want to come pray with us, let me know in the lobby when I'm greeting after service. But we pray our hearts out on, on, on Saturday mornings 9. We pray right around at 10. And we realize that as we pray, we're releasing God to do some incredible things. And we realize that that's when God has released to move in people's lives. Years ago, I was studying the subject of prayer, and this phrase came to me. And if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me say it, but allow me to read the phrase. Prayer is not a fruitless exercise that God gave us to perform in order to determine how faithful we are. Prayer is the vehicle that releases God to move in the earth. When I was a young Christian, I felt like prayer was what I had to do uh, you know, in order to prove to God I was a good person or I was a faithful Christian. And so it was just work. It was labor. And I saw it from the wrong perspective. Then I was studying it one day and I realized, you know what, according to the Bible, prayer literally releases God to move in the earth. Do you remember when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray? And what did he do? He taught them the Our Father. Probably almost every one of us in this room can quote it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. And you notice the first things, three things that he said is us asking God to do something. And did God tell us to pray just so he can tell whether or not we're faithful? No, it releases him to do incredible things. So I want you to stop and think for a moment. What is going on in your life or the life of someone you love that you'd like to see change. Maybe for parents, it's your kids. Maybe it's your grandkids. Uh, you know, maybe you want to see some things change in their life. Maybe for some of, the, some of us, uh, you know, our parents are older. We're, we're, we're watching them walk through some tough times, and we need God to intervene in some ways in their life. Maybe it's a friend of ours. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe, maybe it's another area of our life. But according to the Bible, we can release God to begin to work in areas that we see need God to work. And what I've noticed as we release him to work, I love to hear what we call testimonies. I love to hear the end result. We prayed, and this is what God did. 
And I want to encourage you this morning to go on the offense. Now, the greatest preacher that ever walked on the earth, greatest ever, he wrote nearly three quarters of the New Testament. His name was the Apostle Paul, or some call him St. Paul, incredible man. I want you to notice something he wrote to the church at Corinth. He said this, 2 Corinthians 1.11, you, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So keep that up. Take a look at that. Paul's the one that's going to actually preach to people. He's the one that's going to pray for people, for God to help them and heal them and set them free. But he's asking this church to pray for him so that what he does can be effective. He said, people are going to give thanks. He said, but they're giving thanks. Did you notice the word? Because you helped us through prayer. And you and I have the ability to change atmospheres, change lives, change families, change people. When we look and we see it being hopeless, there's this thing called prayer. And I want to encourage you, all of you that know how to pray, I want to encourage you to take it up to the next level. Those that are brand new and you're like afraid to, prayer is just like breathing. You just ask God to move, you ask God to do things, and you begin to allow God to do what only God can do. Now, even if we pray, there's going to be sometimes when we are on defense, we're backed up to the goal line, the other team's about to score, the storm of life is about to win, the enemy's about to win, and during those times where you and I are backed up, we can play defense. And I wanted you to take a look at this clip. This is what we considered the best defensive play. down, the final play, unless they can stick it in the end zone. Andre Johnson, Roscoe Parrish, and Kellen Winslow, and Dorsey under pressure, throws it, incomplete, the Buckeyes win. C. Grant was the man who pressured Dorsey, and now the party begins for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I brought back memories for some of you. Some of you might be too long, but young, but how many of you wa were watching the 2003 Ohio State National Championship? Can you just raise your hand if you're watching? Just want to see how many people... That, that was an incredible moment when he tackled him. And you saw how they were ready to score, but Ohio State played some incredible defense. And God's given us the ability to play defense. And for us, no matter what's going on in our life, to fight back, to swing back, and to literally stand our ground. And this scripture is a really interesting scripture. It reads like this, 1 Peter 5, 8. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we may never know he's there, but he's working situations. He's trying to bring bad things sometimes into our lives. And I want you to notice the phrase, he's looking for someone to devour. He'll, he'll bring storms into all of our lives or life itself. We live on a broken planet. Life itself will bring storms at us. And all of us are going to have those come. But he's looking for somebody that doesn't know how to defend themselves. And, and he'll, he'll devour us if we allow him to devour us. Uh, and so I like to say it this way, I wanna make sure you're not an edible Christian. I don't want you to be an edible Christian. You know, I'm trying to eat better. And uh, the other night, one of my daughters, uh, they ordered out and they, they, they brought home these little mini hamburgers and these really good looking, you know, the really incredibly homemade kind of looking fries. And I, I walked into the house, you're getting hungry now for tailgate food. And I walked into the house and I smelled that and, and I hadn't eaten. 
and I was hungry, but it's late at night, and I'm looking at that, and, and I'm just trying to help you understand it looked edible. Some, some Christians look like that to the enemy. It's like, uh, they're, they're edible. And uh, you know what I did? I was so proud of myself. I, I grabbed a peach, went upstairs, and ate a peach upstairs in my office. Yay! And uh, stayed away from the burger and the fries, especially late at night. And uh, I want you to be able to be something that the enemy looks at and says, I don't want to bite into them. I, I don't want to come at them. Uh, they are properly dressed. They have what we might call their armor on. And uh, I, I love this text. Remember not too long ago, I taught a, a series that I titled um, Bulletproof, and it was all about Ephesians, the armor of God. Allow me to read this text to you. It reads like this, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, verse 12 talks about him. We don't need that today, but then verse 13 goes on to say, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. And verse 14 begins and says, stand therefore. And I love this text. You know, it, and when you play sports, you always have some type of uniform to wear. Football is really important to have your uniform, to have your pads. And God's given us a set of pads, guys. And just as the helmet protects, uh, you know, football players and the shoulder pads and, and the knee pads and all the other pads protect them, God's given us this incredible armor. And this armor, when we put it on, it enables us to play defense. And here's what I want you to walk out of this segment, understanding, remembering. Some of you know how to use your armor. I'm going to encourage you to keep using it at a high level. Some you're brand new. God's given you weapons that you can use. And if you don't understand them, you know, grab that series. It's free. You can listen to uh, Bulletproof for free online. Grab that series and learn how to fight back and stand and, and not give up because you have the ability to overcome and you have the ability to defend in every situation. So right now, across this room, there are people that have different challenges in your life. And here's what I want to do. I want to tell you, I could have other people stand up and tell you how they stood their ground and how they came out of it and the devil didn't devour them. You know, he just wants to knock us out of the, the game of life and we want to stay in the game of life. So sometimes we play offense, want to play it as often as possible. Sometimes we have to play defense. Sometimes we play defense and we get knocked on our backside. We tried our best, but it just didn't turn out right. But you know what? God's a turnaround God. And this next category is the best turnaround play. This is one of my favorite plays of all times. I was there in my basement watching it with friends. So check out the best turnaround play. Wish I were there live. Benzer keeps it. Throws it to the end zone, and it is picked off. Picked off by Sean Taylor. He threw it right to him. He had double coverage on his intended receiver, and no chance to get it there, and Clarette Claret took it away from him. Yes, he did, Keith. Maurice Clarette with the play of the game, perhaps, as Sean Taylor going down the sidelines, reminiscent of George Teague of Alabama stealing the ball from Miami a few years back. Ball's Watch in the Claret wrong hand. Rip. It should have been in the other side, shouldn't it? That's a great point, Keith. But did he really pull it away? The officials say yes, he did. 
Close. Krenzel trying to force this one. Great read by Taylor as he comes back to take the ball away from Hartsock. And then with the ball in his right hand, exposes it to Maurice Claret right there. And in the judgment of the officials, when they hit the ground, Claret had more possession than Taylor. I love that play. That was so exciting in my basement that we were going crazy that night. And again, if you're young, that was 2003, the national championship game with Ohio State. And you know what? Sometimes in life, it looks like it's an interception. It looks like we're done. It looks like we're on our backside. There's no way we're going to win. And God wants to do what we saw Claret do there. He wants, he wants to get that ball back for us and get it back into our hands. He wants to turn it around. And one of the things we believe here strongly at Believers, we have different what we call core values. One, one of our core values is no perfect people allowed. And uh, if you're perfect, you're not allowed to come to church here because I'm not perfect and uh, I don't want you to be better than me. And, uh, <laughs> but is it, isn't it true we all have imperfections? We, we do. And so we, we don't allow perfect people here. We want people to know that this is a church where we preach hope, we, we preach spiritual growth, but we realize we all are growing. We're all struggling in certain areas. We want to we grow and become better. And another core value that we have, and I love this core value, and it goes like this, life is hard, church should help. How many of you believe after you come to church you should feel better, right? It should help. It should give you hope. And I want to read this to you. It's no secret life is hard, and we are constantly being challenged by a world that is dying. That's why we are all about creating life-giving environments that mobilize God to do something incredible in your everyday life. Prayer, worship, teaching, and counseling all work together to create an atmosphere charged with expectation. And that last phrase, with expectation, is so important. Here's what I learned about God. I learned that God is capable of doing anything. God's capable of turning any situation around. And if you don't understand that, you'll be in trouble. And, and, and we have a God who created everything. He can do anything. Listen to a couple verses. Romans 8, 31 says this. What can we ever say to such wonderful things as these? The verses above talked about our redemption and what God did for us, our future. Then it goes on to say this. If God is on our side, who can ever be against us? And that's really important for you and I to understand and keep remembering. We know that, but we want to remind ourselves of it. And I love this statement that Jesus made. Listen to what he said in Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Typically, whenever I quote a verse, I looked at the context and I make sure I teach it in line with the context it was in. But this verse, you can teach it in any area you want because God chose to use the word everything. With God, everything is possible. So God opened it up to every area of our life. So I, I want you to think about that for a moment, that no matter what's going on in your life, with God, everything is possible. You might be sitting here and maybe your heart was broken because of a breakup, a relationship problem. Maybe you lost someone that you love dearly and they're now on the other side. Do you know what? God can heal hearts. God can break your, bring your heart back to where it's totally healed. No matter what happened in your life, with God, everything is possible. You might be sitting here thinking life can never be good again. Life can never become bright, but it can. And you think of any problem that you're dealing with, and here's what I want to leave you with on this thought. No matter what you're dealing with, with God, everything's possible. So I want you to take a moment 
I want you to think about what right now might be impossible in your mind, and I just want you to leave this segment with hope that with God, everything is possible. I've watched God change lives. I've watched him help young people. I've watched him help couples. I've watched him change and turn situations around. And when we think it's dark and hopeless, God wants this echoed. And that's what I, one thing I believe churches need to do. We need to say to people, there's hope because we have a God that can do anything. And that's important to remember. Now, you know what else our God can do? Sometimes we get stuck and we don't know what to do in our own power, our own wisdom. And God can be the greatest coach that ever lived on the planet. I love great coaches. And what I've noticed is if you get a great coach, you're going to have a great team. It's just like the Browns. They pulled in a great coach, and last week they killed the Steelers. Man, wasn't that awesome? Yay! <laughs> you know, I teased them on Saturday night in service, and I forgot first service, so all these Browns fans are coming up saying, why didn't you get the Steelers fans? I said, I forgot. I said, I'll get them in this service. Um, but... It was a great game. And the Steelers, something's up in their head because they're a much better team than they played. And so they'll have to walk through that. But it was an exciting week. I got to tease all kind of people, and I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. But I want to take a look at what I would call the best coaching moment. This is an incredible, incredible call. Good coaches know when to make a, a call at the right time. Check this out. season that 2003 season you know when I played football I what I hated the most about football was summer practices uh, the, the the long all-day practices in, uh, in August and we would have to be there at 7 a.m. and we'd go home at 7 p.m. and I remember getting home and I was so tired I couldn't eat I would have a half a watermelon that's what I ate I had a cold watermelon every night and then I would jump in our swimming pool we had a backyard pool for maybe 20 minutes and then I'd crawl in bed and fall asleep so I could get up at 6 and be at school again at 7 a.m. And one of the things we did is right about lunchtime, we took a shower, we had lunch, and then we had about an hour, hour and 15 minutes that we went over our playbook. And I used to like that because it was air conditioning, it was nice, it was, you weren't running, you weren't sweating. But I remember the coaches just hammering us saying, you've got to memorize these plays, you've got to memorize these plays. When I call a play, you have to know the play. And we had to go through those plays and through them and hear all about these plays. And you know what I've learned after pastoring this church 31 years? I've learned that God gave us a playbook. It's the Bible. And there's parts of the Bible that are just simply plays. They're principles that God says, run this principle and it will change your life. Did you know that every play in football is designed to score a touchdown? And there may be a few like down and outs when you're in two-minute drill, but every play they run during a normal game is designed to score a touchdown. And God's given us plays if we put them into action in our life. We can score touchdowns. And I love this text about the Bible. It's a cool text. It reads like this, John 8, 31, 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are, my, are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I remember when I was 18, 
I, I couldn't even read the Bible. I, I read it and it didn't make sense. And then when I was 19, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And then all of a sudden when I read the Bible, it came to life. It was like, whoa, I didn't know it said that. And I began to devour it. I was just like, wow, Jesus, you had some cool things. Jesus was a rebel in a sense, you know, and, and he was a rebel against, you know, established things. And he said, hey, you can have a personal relationship with God. And he talked about personal. And then he gave us all these plays. And I watched my life. Did you notice the last part? It said, if you do what I say, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I just watched different areas of my life begin to change and freedom come in different areas. And it was just a result of just simply running the place that God gave me. But every now and then, I came into a situation where I didn't know what to do. I couldn't find it in the Bible. I wasn't sure. It was personal. There was nothing in the Bible about it. And I learned something else that I can do. God's the coach. Listen to this scripture. James chapter 1, verse 5. It just simply says this. If you need any wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So if you read the verses above, this is talking about when you and I are going through tough times. Life is just hitting us, and we don't know what to do. So the Bible says, ask God for wisdom. Wisdom is just referring to God giving you a plan on the inside. And it's as simple as asking him. And then all of a sudden, it just opens up. And all of a sudden, you see something. You understand something that you didn't understand. And there's a cool story in the Bible. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 14. It has to do with King David. David was the king over the nation of Israel. Israel was at war with the Philistines. And this Philistine army came to attack Israel. And here's what David did. He prayed and said, God, how do you want us to handle this? Here's what God said. He said, go at them head on. Just hit them head on. And they did and they won. Do you know just a couple weeks later, the Philistines attacked them from the same exact location? And you know what David did? He did what all of us want to learn to do. Some of you are already doing it. He went back to prayer and he said, God, how do we handle it this time? Do you know what God said? He said, don't hit them head on. He said, here's the strategy. He said, I want you to hide behind the mulberry trees. There was just this patch of mulberry trees. He said, hide the army behind there. He said, let them come like they're coming, but you be back here. And God said this, I'm going to cause a, super, cause a supernatural wind. It's going to blow through the mulberry trees. I'll amplify it and make it sound like a marching army that's huge. And when I do, I want you to attack them. Do you know that when they heard the wind and they thought it was an army, the Philistines were freaked out. They turned on each other and then David attacked them and David went. Do you know they had a plan? They knew how David attacked them the first time. They said, uh, we know what he's going to do. Here's our plan. But God is the coach, man. He knows how to call a call that nobody else knows how to call. And whatever's going on in your life, when you, when you hit a spot where you don't know what to do, man, just ask God for wisdom. God will give you wisdom and show you how to handle it. Now, this next one is probably my favorite. It's what we call the best reverse play. And sometimes in life, we blow it. We make a mistake that hurts us, hurts other people, and, and, and we need to shift it around. So let's take a look at what we considered the best reverse call. Three-man rush. Cousins. On the last play of regulation, chucks into the end zone. Caught. Michigan State's caught it on a rebound. Tut. Hold on. It is just short of the end zone. Ball was caught by Keith Nickel. Take a look. Abradaris gets in the air and gets a hand on it. Nickel is right in the front. It comes right into his hands. Does the ball cross the plane? Taylor is fighting like crazy to prevent it from breaking the plane. Boy, it, 
it was really close. Look at Abraderis gets up in the air. The ball goes off of Sims and Cunningham. Nickel is right there. And Taylor's doing everything he can to keep the ball away from breaking the plane. So instant replay will decide it. Remember, the call on the field is no touchdown. Indisputable to turn this over. Remember that as Nickel was battling and Taylor had him wrapped up. After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown, Michigan State. With a miracle ending. Boy, it's nice to know that God can be like that ref up in the booth and the, that it can come down to our life and say upon further review, we're going to reverse the call. Gina and I have something we do in our marriage, and it's been a great help. Um, if, if I say something or do something that I know hurts her or, you know, offends her, or if she does something or says something that offends me, we'll look at each other and say, can I have a do-over? And a, a do-over is just like rewind, you know, rewind over here like it never happened. And we use that a lot. I use it a lot more than Gina does because I'm, I'm just that bad. And, and um, so it's the most wonderful thing. And, and what's nice about God is we can have do-overs with God, no matter what we do, no matter what mistakes we make. And I think one of the most difficult times or places in our life is after we do something we shouldn't have done and we feel so guilty, we feel like there's nothing I can do about this. I ruined everything. My life's ruined because of the mistake I made. I think it's really cool to know that with God, we can have a do-over. And I just want to read two scriptures as I close this lesson down. And the first one's out of Psalm 103, and it reads this way. He has removed our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. I like that. Imagine a flat football field. East and west will never touch on a flat uh, plane. They just don't touch. And what God's saying to us is, when it comes to your sins and mistakes that you make, I'll wash them away. And I love what the Bible teaches us about Jesus. He so loved the world, he died for all of our sins. That's what Jesus did. And when you and I accept him, every sin we ever committed is washed away. I like to say it this way. When Jesus died, he died for our past, our present, and our future sins. And even once you're a Christian, listen to this. This is an incredible verse. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, he can be dependent on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died to wash our sins away. Here's one of my goals here as the pastor of believers is to help people that have made mistakes, that have ruined maybe their lives in one way or another or just hurt somebody or hurt themselves to help them understand that in God there's always a redo. There's forgiveness. And I don't know what I would have done with my life if there wasn't forgiveness. I mean, even as a Christian, we blow it, we make mistakes, and thank God that if we sincerely say, forgive me, he washes it away. He no longer holds us guilty. And that's something that will help you make it through life because the worst thing we can do is run away from God. God wants to help us grow. And here at Believers, our vision is we exist to, to connect a city with God. And we just want to help people connect with God in a greater way. So I want to do something right now. I want to pray. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes? Let's pray. Father, first of all, every one of us in this room, we thank you 
that we can play offense. We thank you that we can play defense. We thank you that we can have comeback moments in our life. We thank you that you're our coach. And we thank you that you can reverse calls. Thank you, Lord God. And every one of us in this room, you spoke to us in different ways. And we make a decision right now, Lord God, to, to use these incredible things that you've given us to use. And Father, right now, if there's anyone at the sound of my voice that has not made that first connect with God, I just pray for them right now. I ask you to help us see, Father, how that connection comes. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's the question I want to ask. The Bible declares that Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. The Bible declares that whoever calls on him, he'll save them. When I was 19, I had a man come tell me that, and I made fun of him. I called him a Jesus freak. I made fun of him for about three months, and I had to see him three or four times a week, and I just made fun of him. But he kept talking to me about how Jesus loved me, and Jesus would forgive me, and I remember he asked me one day, where do you think you'd go if you died? And I said, well, from everything I learned, I'd have to go to hell the way I'm living. And, uh, and he said, but you don't have to. Jesus died for your sins. And after about three months, I stopped making fun of him, and I gave my heart to Jesus. It was an amazing time in my life. The Bible, as I said earlier, came alive, and God made sense. That's what you call a connection with God. And his heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's the question I'm asking. Maybe you're visiting for the first time today, and I want to ask you, can you remember a time in your life where you made it real or personal with Jesus? You prayed and said, today, from my heart, I'm making you my Savior. When I did, lights went on, things changed. And people in this room can stand up all over telling you the same thing. So here's what I'm asking. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember, but I'm ready to do it today. Now understand what I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you if you belong to a church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized. Those are all great things. I'm asking, can you remember a moment when you made it real with God? So if you're here and you say, I can't, would you pray with me right now? But guess what? Everyone in the room is going to help you, so you won't be praying alone. All of us that have prayed and asked Jesus to be our Savior, we're going to help you do it. But if you're here and you say, I can't remember making it real, but I'm ready to make it real today, pray with me right now. Church, help them pray. Say this after me. Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for my sins, and today I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe I receive you as my Savior, and I make a decision today to follow you. Open up my eyes so I understand the Bible, your playbook. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.